1: that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP.
2: Chief of Staff for Kong Valley Collective. We get into hunting camp traditions, white tails out of tree stands, and prepping for Western hunts, not to mention his impeccable timing. So we're on with Jimmy Glazer. Jimmy, thanks for taking the time out of your evening, man, to sit down with me and talk about your outdoor experience in hunting. Welcome. Yeah, I appreciate you having
0: me.
2: No worries, man. So why don't you just jump right into it, give us a little background, uh, tell us about yourself.
0: Uh, Yeah, so born and raised in uh, northern Wisconsin, Uh, come from a hunting family. It's Some of my first memories were walking trails with my dad. And uh, yeah, just something I've always done, I've always known. In high school, I was big into sports, so did, you know, hunted when I could in between those. Those kind of take up a lot of time, obviously. Um, After that, I played a year in college, so again, didn't really uh, get too much time to hunt. Worked four years on the road as a welder and a pipe fitter, and that was definitely not very good for the hunting aspect of my life, but, uh, I mean, I miss it. I mean, I love that job. It was fun traveling, seeing some awesome stuff and, uh, yeah. Then I met somebody and moved home and been married, man, 10 years. So yeah, here I am. I now work for the railroad Been doing that for four years and we got one son, he's three and another one on the way.
2: Nice. So what kind of hunting yeah. are you doing back there in, in Wisconsin, man?
0: It it's all uh whitetail, you know, tree stand hunting. Um, do a lot of grouse hunting. Just got into turkey hunting last year and uh starting to enjoy that. That's something nice to do in the spring, kind of breaks up the season or gives me something to do in the season besides shed hunting and scouting and that kind of stuff. And
2: going crazy. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do some fishing, you know when i can and do some ice fishing so try to stay busy you know and
2: staying outside so how did your 2018 season go oh man it was
0: it was one of the my favorite years hunting by far uh started i uh planned a colorado archery elk hunt so that kind of started for me in 2017 and so all uh, 2018 that was just learning how to call and planning that and i did i went there like september 8th through the 15th and <laughs> turned out to be just everything you know and more i could have asked for i went in i went in confident that there wasn't much more i could do to prepare mm-hmm. and uh, i think that's something if you plan something like that you definitely have to I mean, regret is pretty expensive compared to what you could have done so oh yeah there's i went in pretty confident knowing that no matter the outcome that it was going to be a great experience coming out of there so and it was man i i should have been tagged out on a monster within two and a half hours of hunting
2: what happened
0: i I, uh so me and i was there with uh two other guys and one of their sons and uh we got there about noon got camp set up started hunting our way up this mountain. We, we were camping at about 8,400 feet, and the top of this ridge was about 97. So, like, I want to get up there. You know, I had already known the spots I wanted to hit first. You know, kind of had a game plan laid out. And we get there, and they are pretty exhausted from the trip and the altitude. And so we got about halfway up, and they had to turn back and go camp and rest for the night, which totally understood, you know. So I start making my way side hill and trying to work my way up a little bit. And I hear them kind of bugle. They had a little bite and blow bugle tube. And I hear the kid bugle and so I kind of bugle back at them just playing around. A couple minutes later I hear one sound off like straight above them. I'm like, was that them? No, they were going down, you know. <laughs> and I was like, and that didn't sound like no little bite and blow. So so I gave it a few minutes, kind of worked my way slowly up there and I'd chuckle every once in a while and it would sound off. So I'm like, sweet, here we go. Totally dumbfounded that this is all falling into place already. That fast, yeah. Yeah. So I worked my way up and I tried doing a a breeding sequence. And he's not really moving too much. So I'm like, all right. So I just kept working my way into him. And I get to the top and uh, it's just nasty, thick. You can hardly see, you know, 15 yards i kind of work my way up and where the sound's coming from and it just drops down into this nasty just stuff like straight down i'm like oh man but he's down there somewhere and i hear him crashing coming towards me and i have a shoot lane at straight ahead of me looking down at you know up to 25 yards about four feet wide and one to about 30 yards to my right and he's coming kind of angling up the hill from my left to my right and he gets in between my shoot lanes And I'm like, all right, he's coming to my right. So I turned, you know, arrows knocked, I'm ready. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Well, here there was a game trail down there that I, you know, had no idea. And he had got on that and turned. And I just happened to look to my left. I see him walk at 23 yards, perfectly broadside, right through that lane. And I should, you know, I kind of turned. I should have cow called or did something, you know. But he walked through it and all I saw was just. It's just antlers everywhere just <laughs> just a giant I'm like oh my god so he kind of walks walks into this thick stuff you know and nothing I'm trying to figure out where he's going to go what he's going to do because I was like there's no way I'm going to get a shot now opportunity's blown well he comes straight up he's about 25 30 yards he gets to the top and he just does his challenge boogle. Like, man, while my tubes laying about five feet behind me. So I kind of reached down, grabbed it, and chuckled. Should have challenged. You know, I just reacted. (laughs) Nothing happened. So he's standing there, and he's starting to just take a few steps to his left. You know? And so he'd get behind a tree, and I'd take a step. He'd get behind a tree, I'd take a step. Because the wind was kind of angling that way, and I wanted to stay ahead of him a little bit if I could. Mm and find a lane. It was started to open up on like, certain spots. If he can pop through, I might have a shot. So yeah, after a while, I was like, I got to do something. And I just let out the nastiest challenge I could. Nothing. And he, like I said, he's only at 30 yards.
2: So you both well, are side the, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's yeah. We're up at the flat spot now up on top. Um, But yeah, out of all the preparation, all the videos I've watched, you know, I watched all these bulls fighting. When they start, before they fight, they parallel each other. Well, me, I had no idea that's exactly what I was doing. Like, that was the last thing in my mind that I was like, well, if he sees me, he's gone anyway. Well, that was not the case at all. (laughs) He stepped behind a tree, kind of walked through. I took another step and he saw movement and he turned and he charged me. And oh my God, <laughs> my heart just started racing. And, you know, it was just reaction time. I just drew my bow and he's just barreling through these trees, running full steam at me. And I got my bow drawn and he stopped at 12 yards and perfect frontal shot up until his last step. And he quartered to me a little ways, kind of stepped behind something. And I got, I have a shot. Well, there was a branch I didn't see. And it, you know, hit a branch and a ricochet and arrow was bouncing off through the trees and, uh, he goes running off. But man, it was, I was, my heart was just going nuts at that point.
2: I could imagine.
0: (laughs) And it was, it was something that I was like, just floored. There was no way that that just happened to me, you know, and, I had on a tactic cam and I was like, just pumped. I can't get back. Can't wait to get back and, and look at this footage, you know, mm-hmm. while well, here when I was moving through all that crap, it got jarred up a little bit and you couldn't really see nothing, but it was, it was amazing. <laughs> the guys down at camp, there was like, there's no way, no way. I'm like, huh. yeah, yeah. And I kind of showed them the, the video and uh yeah, it was pretty, pretty epic. So the next day we kind of, Got went back up there just to double check, you know, and looked around, followed his track, and you know never found nothing. So we we were sitting up there, and so this is yeah the very full day. Sat down and for lunch up in that same spot, and all we hear is these dirt bikes just ripping through the the drainage, and we're like, man, what in the heck, you know, and. But these, all then all of a sudden, right to our left, we hear like a soft bugle. We're like, what was that a bugle? You know, it's hard to tell with the nice dirt bikes home. right below us. And so I caught. We're sitting down and I cow call, call and yeah, and we're like that's a bull. It's a young bull, but he was coming. So we're trying to get you know ready and we start putting all our snacks in our packs and it's just loud. just those bags are just crackling and. <laughs> but I was like, geez, you know we're five hours into actual hunting and we're we're on them (laughs) you know
2: no better than that she's no
0: and so sunday i ended up hunting by myself those guys went they wanted to stay low they're pretty beat and that kid that 13 year old got into a rut fest down on this meadow about half a mile from camp and i got back at dark and though i couldn't understand any of them they were talking so fast and there was bulls all around us this one was chasing them and that 13 year old man he was just fired up you know he was like this one would just 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 scream and i just bugle i didn't know what i was doing i just made a sound and it just fired back and <laughs> so that was that was pretty awesome here you know i mean if even if i wouldn't have saw an elk here and those guys' stories man that would have made the whole trip it. right there yeah.
2: So how do you, so, so coming from, oh, from Wisconsin, man, to Colorado, that, that's some serious preparation, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're trying yep. to figure everything out, you know, your tree stand hunting back home, you know, whitetail. There's some drastic differences. So what <laughs> what kind of homework were you doing? How were you scouting the area or e-scouting the area? What did you do to learn the call-in?
0: Uh, so. Yeah. I kind of started, like I said, the fall of 2017, me and my buddy kind of decided we wanted to go, wanted to go out there. He ended up not being able to. And, uh, he told me about that about December. So I was like, well, all right, well, I, you know, bought some, I was on the go wild app, you know, asking for all these pointers on elk hunting and what, uh, what I should be doing. And people started answering questions and Jonathan, you know, he was like, you gotta learn to call. You gotta learn to call. I'm Like, well, I tried, you know, I, Bought some cheap Primos pack, you know diaphragms, and there's like <laughs> I couldn't even make a sound off of them. Well, he's like, well, you gotta, you know, buy some phelps ones. I was like, well, I don't think I can do it, you know. Second, you know, I tried once, didn't realize how different calls can be, and so he uh he ended up sending me some, and that was a game changer. So I just, you know, I took four lessons with uh, Michael Batiz from the El Aca- Academy. And that guy's, yeah, just and wealth of knowledge. Highly recommend him. I mean, it's he has some pointers and some tips. and It's just phenomenal. It was, exactly. And then, I mean, countless hours over the phone learning to call with Jonathan. I mean, it was hours. I would practice on my way to work, on my way home, you know. And any time in between, piss the wife off, she'd be in the garden and there'd be an <laughs> awful-sounding bull or cow you know, 30 yards from her in the yard. <laughs> she just looked back at me and rolled her eyes.
2: Screaming death. <laughs> yep, <you know, laughs> pretty much. Been there, done that, man. Neighbors, <laughs> so, walking, neighbors walking out the house looking like, what the hell's going on here?
0: Yep. Yeah. And so, so I just went all in and trying to learn how to call, you know, and understand what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, there's so many resources out there with, you know, Michael and uh, YouTube. I mean, anywhere you look, you can get some questions answered. So, so I went all in and got confident that I can understand what they're saying and you know have a good idea. Once I got out there for calling aspects, mm-hmm. um, as far as picking the spot, because that's you know a lot of people ask how where'd you go, how do you figure that out? I just I googled top ten units for Colorado archery um, and. They do a great job of telling you how many bulls were harvested, how many people hunted it, um, and I kind of picked kind of the middle of the pack. There was a lot of it was one of the top hunt for hunters amount of hunters in that unit, but there's also more elk. Total number of elk, so I was like, well, best case scenario, or you know, maybe somebody will push something to me even if I mess up. Right. So I kind of did that and asked around. About certain locations, I wanted to be a ways away from any big interstate or any big road, and just started looking. And uh me and Michael had actually one of the classes went over. I kind of had a big old, you know, grid picked out on where I had an idea, mm-hmm. and he kind of sat down with me and he's like, "Well, this is this looks good, you know. He's because of you know this. Look at these benches. Look at this." all these water sources, um, and stuff like that. So after looking at all this, you know, these maps and stuff with him kind of narrowed down pretty much my game plan, really where I was going to camp, you know, I had multiple camping spots just because you never know once you get out there, how many people will be there. Um, so yeah, I just picked out a bunch of different spots in a unit and like, well, drive out there and see what it's, see what it's like. And if there's a lot of people at one spot then we'll just go try camp at another spot and try another area uh, kind of at the mercy of other people at that point right who got there first and uh, so yeah it was that was that then I mean preparation or other stuff was I had hardly any gear so I was working as much overtime as I could trying to get you know I needed a nice pack uh, just basically everything I didn't have game bags pack of uh, bought an extra knife or gps you know kind of decided i'm going all in mm-hmm. but you have this. to because once you have yeah. right exactly because once you have all that gear too then you have it and uh so it was it, i mean it was a it was tough but it was i was fortunate enough to get some overtime in to help pay for some of that expenses mm-hmm. so uh but yeah and it's like i said it I did everything I could you know watched as many YouTube videos and listened to podcasts out you know podcast um the elk Nut, <laughs> Paul Modell, I mean he was his podcast to listen to are just unbelievable um so yeah that's that was it just a bunch of podcasts, YouTube videos, practice and practice calling
2: hours and hours and hours oh, for, man, for a um, week, right,
0: oh yeah, yeah, and it was. I started, and it was the end of March when I when I got those uh, reads in the mail from Jonathan, and I left September. So, you know, six months of just nonstop practicing and practicing, and I felt pretty confident going out there. Yeah, that's a that big I, deal
2: too, man. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are apprehensive um, that want to get you know into some of that Western elk hunting but they're apprehensive because it is it's a heck of an undertaking man right you know i'm i'm about 15 hours from colorado and that's still an undertaking you guys are what 24 25 hours on the road or something yeah
0: i think it took us 26 with a couple stops to get out there
2: yeah so that's a big undertaking man i mean that's that's pretty good though right you know six months figuring it out i mean you you definitely dove into the resources and i can't say enough about uh about El Colin Academy, man. He uh Michael Batiste puts out ugh, I don't even know how many YouTube videos are on there. I mean there's calling oh, yeah. and just everything. And then he yep. has that uh that new live Q and A. Yeah. I really like yep. those the Wednesday the Wednesdays. Uh, but yep. then now he has the uh Patreon page, which is really cool yep. too. I've been doing so I'm excited yep. to translate that into uh my season this year.
0: Oh yeah, I yeah, uh, I texted him when I got service, and I was like, "You told me, you know, if I ever came over the top of a, you know, if some elk comes up and challenges, you and you come over the top, be ready." No, uh, and I texted. I was just like, "You never once told me that that damn bull might just turn and charge you."
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got it a kick out of that. Didn't prepare me for that one. Nope, sure didn't.
2: So how do you so, how does that contrast to the the hunting you're doing at home? Because I've, oh, I've delved yeah. into a tree stand, <laughs> man, maybe a handful of times earlier in my hunting career. Uh, we got some self climbers, a buddy and I, and uh, yeah, that was that was funny. We'd get about twelve or fifteen feet off the ground. You guys are hanging up, <laughs> Good to, yeah, twenty to thirty. <laughs> my buddy fell asleep in yep. it once, dropped his bow. Yeah, those didn't last Ugh. didn't last very long here. It was kind of unproductive hunting here.
0: Yep. Uh, So, I mean, it's obviously night and day uh, hunting. Yeah. I mean, the scouting aspect of it, you know, is you look for trails, you look for, you know, rubs, scrapes, you know, you kind of look for the same type of stuff, but it's around here, it's so thick as well. And, I mean, deer around here, it's tough to, you can't sneak up on a deer around here it's it really tough not with a bow um there's no terrain you can't really get up in glass so that's kind of our glassing is just kind of sit up in a tree stand and uh find up try to find those travel corridors you know and for us here um in wisconsin you can bait in this county so that makes it obviously a lot easier but at the same time it makes those deer all quite a bit noctur- nocturnal. Um, since there's so many corn piles all over, they kind of just hang low and wait till nighttime to come out. But during the rut, the rut around here is end of October through mid November. They, uh, they get on their feet and move, but it's, yeah, you kind of just find where you want to set up a stand and just hang it. Some people sit all day. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I much prefer the Western style of hunting, the stalking, the hiking, the all that. But uh, kind of got to just do what you got to do around here. So yeah, you just go up in your stand, and some people play on their phones or listen to podcasts. I just like sitting there and watching watching the animals. Uh, you can learn a ton just sitting there, being in peace and quiet. And it, it doesn't get much better than that.
2: So what are some of, I mean, bow hunting whitetail, like you said, I mean, you're, you're they're as wary as you're going to get, right? I mean, yes, there's not much that, that is Help. as wary as a whitetail man. So there's some misconceptions, right? When you start talking about tree stand hunting and, you know, guys will bash on a little bit. Oh, it's not really hunting, blah, blah, blah. But man, to bow hunt a whitetail, you know, at, at eye level, I've, (laughs) I've tried once and, uh, yeah, that bow didn't last very long. That rifle got whipped out real quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really hard. They, their sense of sight, their smell, I mean, is, is unreal and they are very nervous. And around here there's a lot of wolves. So they're always, you know, on edge and any little movement or, you know, they sense any smell, anything they're gone. And so that's where the tree stand comes in handy. It kind of gets that, gets you up out of their sight, gets that smell out of their, you know, away from almost, for the most part. So,
2: yeah. And they don't freeze much, right? I mean, like here with the blacktail and the mule deer, you know, they'll catch a freeze and hang tight to see, you know, look in the direction of whatever they heard. Um, But my experience with whitetail, man, has been, you know, quite the opposite. They hear or smell anything, they don't there's no hesitation they bolt right
0: yep and it's kind of funny there's always one doe because i you know when i'm hunting i usually see deer almost every night i sit you know does and fawns at least and there's always one doe in the group that no matter what you do she has you pegged <laughs> <laughs> and, and she'll come around and just start looking blowing and stopping her feet and just would not come come in and It's just one of those where, like, if I had a doe tag, you'd be the first yeah, one to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you teaching these other deer. But yeah, they're you say yeah. When it comes to bucks, they they don't mess around with <laughs> seeing what it is. If something's not doesn't look right or smell right, there out of there, and they won't come back for a long time either. If they're <laughs> in that area, if they if they sense something's wrong so you you may not see them for a few days or oh oh yeah they might you might not see them in daylight for the rest of the season oh wow yeah they so much happens oh exactly and so then you kind of just you know that's where game cameras are nice cuz they're going to move eventually during the day you just kind of got to change your plan and move around a little bit try to try to catch them
2: so that's all public land, correct?
0: Yep. Yep. I have 10 acres here that I hunt. Uh, I do a lot of food plots here, but yeah, I, 90% of my hunting is all on public land.
2: So how does that work with the tree stand dynamic and other guys out on public land, um, setting up tree stands and, you know, invading, air quotes, another guy's space? How do you guys manage that?
0: Well,
2: <laughs> well it, it can get a little tricky.
0: Uh, there's definitely some people that get a little annoyed or upset with with other people if you get if you move in on them uh but they just passed the last year was the first year you could keep up your tree stand year round or not year round throughout the whole season uh you were supposed to take them down every day and, and so
2: do you have to label them also, or anything
0: yep, so you gotta put your uh name and address or your uh d n r customer number and your address on there and like zip tie it to the ladder or uh, whatever. So, uh, yeah, usually people are pretty good, but I've heard some awful stories of people cutting down trees or, you know, cutting down the ladders and just leaving their stand up in the tree. And But you just try to get away from people just like anything else, you know, and be set as an example, you know, if you see a stand, walk by keep on going going. you know don't don't do nothing and there's what I've seen more and more which is (laughs) at first I always thought well why would you people are starting to take pictures you know of these people's cameras or stands on public land and posting it just be like oh yeah I saw this stand today and I didn't do anything I walked on by (laughs) and at first I was I'm thinking well that's that's kind of a stupid post you know whatever But then the more I think about it, it's like, well, if that even gets ingrained into one person's mind, that that might be a slight changing point for someone or a couple people, you Mm -hmm. know, not messing with the stands. Exactly. Um, But that's another thing with the game cameras. It's a little sense of security, I guess, with some cell cameras and everything else that people have. We
2: just hang hang them on the tree. By your ladder? Yep. Or? Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, on a trail or over the uh, bay pile or, uh you know, anywhere. I have a tripod. It's called the Plot Pod that I use on my f- food plot. Um, kind of set a camera on there, and I can move it anywhere. But yeah, otherwise, just strap it to a tree and kind of you
2: know point it where you want it. <laughs> so, was that was Colorado? That was your first experience in elk, or?
0: uh nope uh that was my third elk
2: hunt so
0: my first one was in 2012 my buddy called me and he's like hey you want to go to montana elk hunting with the rifles this fall or this winter i'm like sure and i was like you asking all these questions you know how much you know because i had hardly any money at the time well, and <laughs> still don't but uh <laughs> we uh i was like yeah it's that sounds fun, but I gotta figure out finances and all this stuff. When do you need to to know by? I was like, he goes, I need your DNR number and by tomorrow. I'm like, oh, what? He's like, yeah, the draw last day is tomorrow for the application. So I'm like, well, that's there's no way I'm having this money by tomorrow. And so he uh, kind of gets back to me. My grandpa said that he'll put it on his credit card if you wanted to uh, just pay him when you he get here. I was like, well, okay, that works. Let me. I'll figure it out, you know, in a couple hours and get back to you. So I was looking at selling stuff because I really wanted to go on an elk hunt. That always been a dream of mine. And so we ended up, you know, I agree to it, get ready. And I just kind of tagged along. He had hunted that spot quite a few times with his grandpa. So I just kind of tagged along and followed suit. We get set up. The night before and we get camp we got to camp on this private land right at the base of the mountain that was uh just a rancher that my buddy's grandpa knew and we hunted all the public lands around there but it was nice little camping set up for us and so there was another group of guys that were right next to us something that were staying at that same place and we, we start bsing with them the night before i think it opened on a saturday start bsing with them having a couple beers around the fire talking about our game plans for the next day and got along great with them morning comes we get up you know really early and start busting butt around the mountain work our way up and we hear a shot that right below us right where we came like man what in the heck kind of work our way back and we ended up seeing elk every day we hunted but that first day we we're me and my buddy were side healing it I just happened to look to my left, and the first elk I saw was this big cow, about five feet from me, just looking at me through. All I saw was head through the brush. I'm like, "Oh my god!" So, like, yelling to my buddy, I'm like, Clayton, Clayton, Clayton!" By that time, they busted out of there. There was an elk running all over. Well, like idiots, not knowing, we just tried following them. Well, needless to say, we didn't catch up to them, and so we work our way back to camp for lunch. And that the dad of those guys we met the day before, he's sitting there with a beer in his hand and just smiling. Like, was that you who shot? He's like, Yep. And it was first bowl in 42 years that he had shot. Wow. Yeah. And but he didn't care. I mean, that he he went. He showed up every every year for opener or for the week with his son, and he was just out there for just to be there. It's like I've it's tradition to them, I'm not gonna miss it. And he didn't hunt too hard, you know, he stayed at the base, the and worked his way around, but it panned out finally for him. And like, Oh, we're you know, did you get it? Did you? he's like, Nope, it's still there, you know, and told us the story, he shot it at you know, thirty, forty yards or whatever it was. And we're like, Sweet Wolf, you need help. He's like, Yeah, I'll probably need some help. I'm like, all right, me and Clayton will take the afternoon off and help him. It's the least we could do for this guy. And so his Son is yeah. His son and his buddies show up. We go walk about a mile and a half, and beautiful five by five that he shot. And we're standing there looking at talking, and we're all kind of looking around, waiting for somebody to make a move. And finally, the dad's like, "Well, I, I guess I'll gut it." <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I thought you know. Oh, I he had it just sitting. It yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we. I was like, well, i I could gut an elk, I guess. i I had no idea what to do, to be honest. <laughs> I was just kinda there. So he guts it and we're all holding legs and watching him gut it. And uh, well, that's probably right. <laughs> probably good enough. And like, well, do we anybody gonna quarter this thing? Or cause I didn't realize at the time there was a gutless method to quarter it. We're like, oh, there's no uh no one knew how to quarter it. <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> we <laughs> We could probably drag it, <laughs> and that's what we did. Six guys drugged that thing a mile and a half.
2: Hold on, man. So you're you're hunting whitetail, right, most of your <laughs> life, and you got this yep. guy hunting forty two years, and nobody yep. knew how to how to quarter out an elk. Not not a clue. That's just a big ass deer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We we did we did have a game cart
0: four deer mm-hmm. that we tried putting it on oh yeah and it was just <laughs> nope that, that was not happening and so it it absolutely sucked and, but it worked out we we got it back but man it <laughs> oh. was it was a rough goal
2: You got five four or five guys dragging dragging a gutted elk oh, I mean, Gutted elk yeah mile and a half oh yep
0: it was rough. It was a rough rough afternoon, and uh, I don't even think I really did anything. There's my buddy and a couple guys. They played D one football, wow. so I was like, "You guys got this. It's good for you." Yeah, that did. Get you in shape. And but man, it it sucked. It was. We were pretty all pissed <laughs> off at each other by the time we got <laughs> back.
2: <laughs> but but better, it was fun. I mean, better than experience. Me. Yeah, I don't know if I would have. <laughs> some guys i didn't know i'm not sure if i'm helping dragon elk a mile and a half man it's a big ass <laughs> yeah. animal.
0: yeah well we were hoping we'd end up getting one you know up on the mountain and mm-hmm. then they'd you know have to pay us back but it was it's one of those situations where sometimes you have it takes you one time to learn something <laughs> yeah and that was that time there was i can tell you how many times i'll do that again but I did end up getting a mule deer on that trip, uh, second to last day, a four by four. So that was that was awesome. And the game cart worked a lot better with that. Yeah.
2: For sure. Something that fit on it. Yep. Yeah, that elk, you're lucky to get get the hind quarters on there.
0: Oh, I think we ended up just ditching the cart. It was just <laughs> those tires were just crap. It was
2: just dragging on the rim. And yeah, it was rough. So you had uh so let's see that's Colorado Montana yep and then in 2003 years after Montana in 2015
0: i got to go up to a uh outfitter up in british columbia big nine outfitters oh nice and that yeah it was one of the best experiences that i've ever had my uh and it was just a fluke i was my uncle was going up there he worked this he worked a concrete job as a supervisor and as a uh, As a bonus, the owner of this concrete place paid for him to go up to this outfitter because my grandpa and grandma were working up there. My grandma was a cook up there and my grandpa was just a grunt worker, you know, did everything. He's just 76 years old, one of those guys that if it needs fixing, he can fix it. If it needs, you know, he does anything. Mm-hmm. And he's also the best hunter that I've ever known and I mean, he's killed three of the four sheep he only needed the sand desert sheep i mean like 13 moose 12 elk i mean sheep dolls i mean he's shot everything and that was his life he built his whole life around hunts when he would uh when he was younger if he wanted to go on a hunt he'd go to the bank and say he needed home improvements on his bathroom he'd get the money there
2: I got the game yeah. all wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think banks have changed a little bit since then, but and then uh but yeah, that's what he would do every year. And then he'd just go and log on the weekends and I mean he'd pay it off and go to the bank. Like he said, within a week of getting that thing paid off, he was back at the bank getting <laughs> more money to go and on another. On. Improvement. And the stories that guy has, man, is just unbelievable. And, but so he was working up there at 76 years old, running these mountains, like he's a dang 20 year old. So that's why my uncle went up to that place. And on his way up there, him and this other guy were driving. It was like 32 hour drive from here. Well, the one guy couldn't get across the border. I don't know if it was his passport or what the issue was. Well, my uncle was like, I'm not driving all this way by myself. It's going to take me forever. So the owner of that company was like, if you can find somebody to f- take time off and fly up there, I'll pay for their plane ticket and everything to help you drive back. So my dad or my mom called me and because my dad couldn't go. He was having like eye surgery in a week or something. And she was like, do you want to go up there? I was like, well, I mean, I would, but just to be there for a day, to help them drive back, it's kind of, I don't want to take that time off. And uh, It'd be nice to see my grandpa and grandma up there, but it'd be a long two days just flying, turn sleeping, turning around, and driving back. So she's like, well, hold on. Let me get back to you. Well, she ended up getting a hold of my grandpa, and he talked to the owner of that uh, Big Nine Outfitter, and my grandma had never taken a tag or an elk. When all his staff up there, they get a meat hunt, so they could go and shoot an elk if they want my grandma had never gone so he told my mom whoever comes up can do a a meat hunt shoot a five by five or less if they want well that changed everything for me so my mom was like yeah if you go you know you can leave tomorrow if you leave tomorrow you have like five days of hunt then you and Aaron can drive back I'm like oh hell yeah (laughs) so I uh, yeah so I go to work the that afternoon because this is all I was working day shift at the time at this foundry. And they, I went into the HR and I was like, Hey, here's the deal. I have like three days of vacation left. I'm going to have to need like three sick days. Cause here's, and they're like, well, I don't think we can do that. Not in a row. I was like, well, what if you do like a vacation day, then a sick day, then a vacation day. They're like, no, I don't, (laughs) we don't have the manpower." But I told them the situation. I was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. I mean, this is a free, fully guided hunt at a world-class outfitter with my grandpa. I mean, come on. And they're like, they understood that aspect of it. And they're like, all right, yeah. So they gave me the time off. And the next, I had my, had to pack that night and I was gone the next morning and flew up there. And I mean, the hunt was tough. It was like 85 degrees, end of August. And uh, it was a fly-in, which was nice. I mean, just beautiful country. And like I said, my grandpa being up there the first two days, he was like, do you want to go with the guides or do you want to go with me? I'm like, <laughs> gramps, I'm going with you, man. I don't <laughs> like, again, shooting an elk was a bon. It would be a bonus after that trip. Just spending that time, walking the mountains, BS in with my grandpa was something I had never done really. I mean, we hardly ever really hunted together. And, uh, just cause he traveled hunting and he was down in Mexico and they had, you know, a house down South. So it just never really worked out. Um, so we ended up hunting and just having the most amazing experience up there. And yeah, I was like third middle of the week. We glassed a five by five. I was with the guides at this point. Uh, well, I take that back before that. That morning, I went with a guide. My uncle went with a guide. Well, we kind of saw these elk up in this big bowl. So we both kind of came to the base of this and met up with each other. And we're like, oh, I was like, told my uncle, I was like, you can go after it, man. There's, you go get, go up there. You know, this is your hunt. I'm just kind of blessed enough to take along. And so he starts making his way up. Well, he blew his knee out going up this. Yeah. So he comes like, we're glass and trying to, you know, follow these guys up this, up this hill. And he comes like, dang, they're running down with like no gun. I'm like, what? What the heck is he doing? And like, well, maybe there's another, some more elk up there. I don't know. Well, he comes down by the, you know, time we could get some glass on him. We could tell he was in a lot of pain. So he got on the horse, like, you go up there. So, we ended up by this time at an hour and a half goes by and those elk had spooked over the top and we were walking down and one of my guides goes, wolf, wolf. And 150 yards running right where we came was a wolf oh, side hill it. So, and we had a wolf, eat, you know, you have a wolf tag up there. So we run, you know, I kind of run around and get set up and my guy does a cow call and I shoot. and Yeah. I go, shot the wolf and it barreled down about 300 yards down the hill. Yeah. And so we took, got down, you know, took some pictures and they're like, well, do you want to keep the Cape? Do you want, what do you want to do here? And I was like, well, if we do, we'd have to go back to camp and get it in the cooler and all this stuff. And I was like, well, maybe we can save the skull. Maybe we can, you know, do whatever. So we figured out a way to keep hunting anyway. Instead of wasting the rest of the afternoon on horses to go back, so we continued on hunting and uh, that afternoon we ended up spotting that five by five and my one guide stayed up and kind of glassed and kept an eye on him, and we kind of went all way down and had to come up over the top of him and we got with I had a hundred and fifty yard shot while he was in his bed, and he dropped right there since <laughs> yeah and then that was about a six mile walk back with the horses, which was not too bad compared to the elk drag of Montana yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: five miles uh, on horses, six miles on horses versus a mile and a half of a ex- exactly egg, man. Jeez. Yep. yep so so that
0: was Boer, that, was that. Then,
2: sorry oh, go man. ahead boa rifle oh go ahead. Bow or rifle? Oh, bow. bow. Bow by far, yeah. Both in the tree stand and the western? Yep, absolutely. I
0: mean, I'm not, if I have a chance to go out west with rifle, I mean, I'm not going to pass right. it. Out. Um, But I, if I had to pick, it'd definitely be my bow. Just something I've always grown up doing. My first bow was a wire clothes hanger and a pen walking around the trails with my dad. Yeah. So,
2: so yeah. Not much range on that wire clothes hanger.
0: No, it's if, if you notch the pen or the pencil good enough, you can get about four or five inches, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but you go through a lot of them once you get a little older and stronger. They bend a lot easier. So, my mom was always Jimmy, because <laughs> there'd be just
2: wires, hangers Everywhere. bent, and yeah, <laughs> just
0: kind of laying all over the yard.
2: So, awesome. so you know, Kong Valley, man, you are the chief of staff, chief of staff with, with KVC. So why don't you give us some yep. background with that and your take on Kong Valley, your part in the mission and how you fit into that mix of, of good guys there.
0: So, uh, yeah, this kind of dates back to 2017 when on the go wild app, when I was trying to prepare for this elk hunt to Colorado. Uh I met Jonathan, Metcalf on there, and we start BSing and he's giving me all these pointers, you know, on just on along the app. Well here we exchange numbers. And at first, you know, it'd be like, give me a call if you need some tips learning how to call. And I would, you know, I was I had no shame. I wanted to learn. So I'd call him and we'd go over it. Well After, you know, hours and hours and hours of these calling lessons, basically, we start just BSing, you know, in between about stories. And a lot of it was about my grandpa, all these sheep hunts he went on and these moose hunts and all these stories I heard growing up. And he was just like, man, that is, that is awesome. So he was like, how cool would it be just to sit around like a fire? And just record people's stories. And I'm like, yeah, man, that would be, that'd be freaking awesome. It'd be tough to do. And he's like, so that kind of, that kind of got it all going. I mean, he had had an idea like that prior, but that was kind of the, I don't know, motivation or something to spark kind of that got lit for him to take off and start really thinking about how we could do something like that. And so, you know, he comes up here. He calls me up, and he's like, "Kong Valley." I'm like, what? What? You, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Kong Valley." He he goes, "That bull I'm after is Kong," because he had this target bull he was trying to get for the year. And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "That's what we're going to call it, Kong Valley Collective." I'm like, oh, okay, so that's kind of how the name kind of came to be came to be he was chasing what his ideal bull would be and uh so we start brainstorming and it's mostly just him i mean <laughs> i say we but i'm like maybe one percent of that <laughs> um, so he uh yeah he just gets this idea about listening to people's stories and trying to change what the quote unquote industry has done to the hunting community. Um, Because at one point there, there was a time there had to have been when it didn't matter if you hunted, if you're a hunter, fisherman, kayaker, hiker, mountain biker, dirt biker, it didn't matter. People got along a lot easier, it seems like. And so he want you know the idea behind all of it is we want to try to bring bread, everyone back to start respecting the outdoors together and understanding different aspects of the outdoors and to change as in the hunting aspect of it the word success it's not just about the meat i mean a lot of people use that term oh i, I just like the meat and you know some people absolutely do my dad is one of them He'll he'll go out and shoot a three inch legal spike opening day. Not a problem. It's like, oh, tagged out, got my meat, that's fine. Um, but if he doesn't, he's gonna keep going. And I bet if he had a game camera set up and he saw a decent one on camera, he would wait <laughs> because he likes hunting. And so he uh excuse me. My uh, we start BSing about this stuff. It's like, he'd asked, why do you hunt? And I'd just be like, I don't know. Basic answer is, I like to. Well, it really got gets you thinking. Why do you hunt, you know? So it was something I really had to think about. It's like, you know, it's just been part of my life for so long. I I've never asked why. And it's not for me. It's not about the meat. I mean, it's obviously a great bonus, and it's definitely not about the antlers because I do not have nearly enough on my wall to justify that. And uh, it's just, it's about the overall experience of it. It's about being in the woods and sharing these stories of not the successful stories. Yeah, those are great, but it's the the failures and everything else that go with with it.
2: Hold Uh, on, I'm going to check you real quick. So yep. that, that goes against, that goes against me, right? Because I, I will never, ever view any time in the woods as a failure, right? It's, it's right. It's what yeah. we take out of it, right? Is, is success, right? I mean, anything that exactly. we're pulling away from the woods, if our eyes and mind are open to it is, is all successes, right? Um, and like yes. you said, the yep. icing on the cake is the harvest, so. I just got to, yeah, I got to jab you on that.
0: Absolutely. No, absolutely. And see, like I'm learning just as much here too, you know, and uh, a lot of this, as hard as this is going to be this whole idea we have is a lot of it goes on how we talk about it. You know, just little subtle things like that saying a failure where there is no such thing. (laughs) You're either learning (laughs) or, you know, or you have a harvest. Mm -hmm. So So, yeah, it's, and that's kind of what we're trying to do is change people's minds on the word success is you're always taken away from it or something away from your experience outside. And so that's, yeah, there's always something to, (laughs) there's always something. So, so that's, it started off basically for just hunting. Just a quick little success thing there, well, then it's like, well, why can't we bring everybody together in this because that doesn't go just towards hunting, obviously it goes against or goes with fishing, I mean hiking, camping, you're always learning when you're outside. you're not just sitting there, I mean doing nothing, so we're trying to bring everybody together in the in the outdoor
2: community I guess so so the backpackers the mountain bikers the trail runners the kayakers yep
0: why, Exactly.
2: everybody there's so why is it uh, important to bring everyone to that round table so to speak and not just focus on your passion of hunting
0: <laughs> well because everyone needs you know, loves using the outdoors and I, it's strength in numbers. So if we can start getting these other demographics to start supporting, you know, if we can all start supporting each other, I mean, we could really start making a big change, especially, I mean, in the public land aspect of things, there's no say on what's going to be or how it's going to be 50 years from now. So we, if, if you like hiking, any of those things, if it's on public land, you should definitely start supporting other people that are using it. And that's we need to start bonding together because, like I said, you never know when one law can pass, one, anything. One person gets an office that can change something. It doesn't matter. We gotta start bonding together to get these public lands and keep them ours.
2: So, with with that being said, right, and I'm I'm broad stroking the hell out of this, generalizing, but hunters divide ourselves. So, oh yeah, how do we unify hunters? bring, you know, these different demographics of hunters, you know, since we like to separate separate ourselves, right? You got rifle guys and right. bow guys and back country guys and, you know, uh for the lack of a better phrase, front country guys, road hunters. Everybody draws this freaking divide. How right. do we bring the hunting community together and then start tackling everything else or is it important that we bring the hunting community together first before we start tackling everybody else
0: oh absolutely i mean that's (laughs) you couldn't hit it the nail on the head any better there's so much division in the outdoor or in the hunting uh industry like you said we uh there's how can i put this everyone needs to just basically look themselves in the mirror (laughs) because the way people treat each other as hunters is just asinine. There's, we got to start changing how we deliver what we're doing. I think amongst each other, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It's about where, you know, what you put into it what, and the scout, everyone's doing the scouting and planning and all that stuff. And if we can just get away from the whole, oh, tagged out or not success, quote unquote.
2: My story is better than yours. My exactly. way is better than yours.
0: Yeah. It'll, I think it'll slowly start to unite people It's like, you know what? We got to stay positive for each other. We got to, we got to show support for no matter what i mean if just and tell people stories i mean everyone has a neat story one way or another there's there's value in everybody who hunts it's it's how how can we showcase it to other hunters in a positive
2: light more or less i mean do we need to showcase it or do we just need to slap everybody and say hey wake the fuck up because well that sure would be nice right i mean if you look at it (laughs) we're we're the end result right ultimately is the same right Right. either either you're you're notching a tag at the end of the hunt or you're not notching a tag does it really matter how you got there you know what i mean if if jimmy is like hey i'm i'm gonna tree stand hunt October, November, but man, I'm prepping for this elk hunt and I'm going to just go get after it, you know, after this 26 hour drive or whether, you know, a guy that lives in, you know, Montana or Colorado is driving five minutes away and jumping out on the mountain. The end results the same, man. I, I just, yeah, for me, that's a, uh, that one, that one gets me all salty. I, I think it's stupid. Oh as yeah. Hell, right. I mean, yep. there's so yep. much information that that's out there. We're all sharing it. Um, everybody's, you know, consuming it, looking at the same things, trying to get better at their game. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a quick slap to the, uh, to face a chin check, if you will, man. And just, uh, a wake the fuck up, you know, stop Absolutely. with the divide. And, and that's the scary part is, you know, to a point, right. I don't think that we'll see hunting go anywhere in our lifetime. But I don't either. When you start looking at, you know, well, your kid's a bit younger, right? You have a, how old is he? Three years old. Three. Yep. Three. So I mean, I can see the potential to either lose it to a point where it becomes almost impossible, or losing it altogether sometime in his life, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to realize that that's what we're fighting. Yeah, I'm always at a loss of words, man. A and for me, it's.
0: I can, I can BS with anybody about hunting. I mean, the scary part for me is the social media. I mean, it is, a, it is great and I think it'll be very helpful, but at the same time, it is, it's a nasty world out there. There's keyboard warriors that, I mean, they're sh- typing away saying
2: they're the best, you know, it's all about, you know, but it's, but it's not even social media again. It, right. It's, it's getting that fucking chin check <laughs> and say what I mean it's like right I I like getting on and and you know being able you know let me let me check out Jimmy see what Jimmy's you know hunting today right like he posted a picture a couple days ago man with the sunset and and the wind blowing across the uh the hard pack man and the flakes of snow just blowing I couldn't see I I live in southern California I wouldn't be able to experience that if you if you weren't a hunter and I wasn't a hunter and there wasn't social media I wouldn't get to see that right Right. I wouldn't yep. get to look and read Luke's, you know, uh 30 million years of kicking ass in the <laughs> right. <Elvis laughs> post. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, we wouldn't kids. get any of that. It, it, right. So it's not, it's not social media. It's not an industry issue. It's we're freaking idiots because we do right. this to each other. You know, the 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 people that we should be standing side by side with and backing up, whether they choose to shoot a trad bow, a compound, a crossbow. You know, I don't care if you are shooting a goddamn musket, right? We're we're, we're there and we have the same end, right? The same end, the experience in the wood, the family time, the tradition, testing yourself, whatever it is between day one and the last 15 minutes of the hunt, man. I just, I don't get it.
0: Right. Where where I was going with that was like the negative aspect of it to where there's people where I talk to, you know, on social media and you know around like if we go out to dinner we run into each other it's crazy to me how different they are online versus in person you know they're these badass keyboard warriors on on social media and then you run into them and then it's like you guys are best buddies bs and about hunting it doesn't matter what you're shooting what you're doing it's when they're in person, they seem to lighten up a little bit. It was where I, what I was getting at was that. And so that's the whole social media.
2: Yeah. Sorry, man. I get, I get fired up
0: with Negan. that. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I hear you.
1: <laughs> that shit fires I me up.
0: <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, we got to just start treating each other better. I mean, that's, it doesn't even have to do anything with the outdoor community, just in life in general.
2: Yes. People Absolutely. just need to start making a change i mean we're already up against it right you get the you get the uh i always call them the wrong things but the PETA type folks that uh you know want to search this stuff out and we wouldn't right we wouldn't be talking to them they hunt us down online and you know send comments and and all the negative i mean that's the that's the ones that we should be fighting and dealing with exactly
0: And all it takes is one bad picture or one bad comment on the, you know, and that's all the ammo they need
2: to, to fire at us, you know? So yeah, it's, it's tough, man. (laughs) I mean, that's the hard part, right? You know, we, we want to, and I, and I've caught myself reflecting on this because I've brought it up on, on other episodes. And I think that there needs to be, a level of care that goes into a post. Right. And that's just because Absolutely. it's a representation of the entire hunting community. Um, yep. But it is a bit frustrating to think that, Hey, you know, the people that I follow or, or that follow me, we're of the same mind, right? We're, we're right. hunters, they're hunters or fishermen and they have a respect for it. And then these people go and they search these things out, you know, I, That's a rough one, man. I've been kind of juggling that in my head lately. Like, I don't, I won't post anything that has a bunch of blood or, you know, tongue hanging out, and that's just a standard for myself. But is it wrong for a guy that wants to post his harvest, you know, or the or the grip and grin? Right, you know what I mean? That's a rough one, right?
0: It it is, and it's, and that's the that's the whole learning thing for us too right now. I was trying to find. That perfect balance, so you you can show this, you know, a little bit of it, but it's it's ever evolving, you know, with with it. So yeah, it's it is tough, man. It's and I agree. It's I'm not one to show, you know, blood much blood, and try not to anyway. And it's you don't want to give them any ammo right. that you can it that can be preventable. Yeah,
2: so but at what point? At what point do we do we get to stand by what we've done right i mean you know you right get you shoot any animal in the boiler room and there's going to be blood right Yep. if that right. animal anchors and it was ethical should we have a problem with with posting it you know i and that's where <laughs> right. I, that's where i'm coming back to you know i've had to check myself lately with that thought process because i'm i'm just not sure if that isn't folding to the other side right right yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a, that's a rough decision, man. I that's right. a hard one, you know. And the more I talk about this stuff, and the more I think about it, and you know, I hear people say, "Well, I, I want to post what I want to be able to post. If they don't like it, they can swipe left." And it's like, is it a disservice, or are we folding to them?
0: Right. It's. But I mean, what what we've been doing hasn't been working either. You know, leading up to yeah, this. That's true. It's so it's we haven't. <laughs> We haven't been "quote unquote" on the winning side for a while. Well, is that because we're as...
2: divided in our own community? Uh,
0: absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> right, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. But I mean, even the other pictures haven't been doing us doing us any favors. So you know, way we you know I see it as like, well, maybe I don't see it as giving in to them. Just try, you know, trying maybe another tactic, but also showing a little more respect mm-hmm. to. The animal and because you know i look at now i look at some of these pictures and they're the ones that are really bloody it's like dude come on man that's just it doesn't even matter if they're pita you know or not it's if they're on the fence when so hunting or not hunting i mean that's kind of the people we should be targeting and so if they might see a lot of that blood they might think no that's not for me just not knowing that happens, but but just to keep them
2: respecting what we do. So that one will get me going, man. I, I just, like yeah, I said, that I, I'm i at a loss for how I feel about that at this point. You know, yeah, like I said I'm right. kind of checking myself on that whole thought process, and that's a rough yep. one, man. That is a rough yeah. one, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll jump off of that soapbox, man. So Kong Valley, man, sorry.
0: Yeah. I don't know if yeah, you no, were finished with that, good. man, I,
2: you got fire. That's all good. You got fire, uh,
0: so so yeah, so you know, you've met people've met a lot of these people or a few of these people, you know, Rev and Luke and Jonathan and uh <laughs> Rev and Jonathan. I mean, they are some of the best motivators you'll ever meet. I mean they they are as passionate as they come and they are so well versed and well read I mean they are very good at explaining what they wanna do. And they had this idea you know, they come up with these ideas and <laughs> then Luke comes along and just blows everyone else out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> of the water. <laughs> like, what did you say? It was the pressure around, I said, diamond
2: in a rough. And yeah, you're like, no, no, he's the
0: pressure around the diamond. Yeah,
2: That dude is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely the pressure around the diamond, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so, but I get where I was getting at, you know, Jonathan asked me if I wanted to be like the chief of staff because He's telling me, you know, I'm in the know mostly about everything going on with Kong Valley, uh, as far as the direction it's headed, what we're trying to do, um partners, all that stuff. But, you know, we're have we kind of have an ambassador program going on right now, which right now it's we're gonna be changing up a lot of stuff. Right now it's kind of on hold as far as till we get that figured out, we wanna have some changes to it to just make it better for everyone. Um but all these people kept coming up to Jonathan and Rev, and he's just like at work trying to deal with all these others all these other things going on. He's like, I need somebody that can t- explain to them what we are, what we're doing, you know. And, and so he kind of put that on me. He's like, talk to Jimmy. He can tell you what's going on, you know, what we ex- if you want to be part of it, what we expect, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I was absolutely honored to to just be part of it you know I was happy when he was just he talked to me about that kind of stuff you know but he uh yeah so that's kind of how that is so I kind of deal with the ambassador program of it kind of searching for people to bring on as far as uh ambassadors so if you're any type of outdoorsman man woman kid if you're passionate man just hit me up send me a message let me know let me know what what you think of the outdoors let me hear your message let me hear your story and where we want to accept everybody i mean that's <laughs> i mean if you come to me it be we can obviously but if you have some good some good story and some good content and a great message man it's, it's come my way there's we're looking for everybody especially i mean hunters because that's we're like you were saying earlier we're all hunters so a lot of our pages are just mostly organized around hunting and fishing where i'm trying to expand on my page a little bit as far as who i'm following is like just hikers or just rock climbers snowboarders you know anything anything that has to do with the outdoors i mean it does not have to be hunting or fishing related um so if you know anybody like that, or if you are one, just send me a message and let's let's start talking.
2: So if a guy says, Hey man, I you know, I could rip on my snowboard and carve with the best of them. I mean, are you looking at a guy that's up at the upper echelon of his of his skill or his craft? Or are you looking you guys looking for guys or, or women that It does are- not
0: <laughs> I don't care if you have eighty thousand followers on Instagram or eight. I mean, if you are passionate about it. I mean, and can show how passionate you are and show us what you do. It that does not matter or followers or any of that does not matter to me.
2: So just a love for the outdoor skill set. Absolutely. Skill yep. set'll come right with the years. Yep. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's so much out there that people are like you said, passionate about that we need we need people to showcase us, and we if we feel like if somebody is say, you know we'll use that snowboarder as an example, if you're a great snowboarder, but you have a lot of friends that are anti hunting, but you're not. I mean, if they start seeing some of the pictures you like, you know that might have to do with hunting, you start talking about it, it you know can turn the switch on some of these people that may or that may not have been. For hunting.
2: Well, and then that that kind of brings us back to what we were just talking about at least in my head, right? And what I know of Kong Valley is sharing and and I mean, my podcast, right? Here's the campfire yep. and that's why we're doing this exactly this Wednesday deal with you guys is here's the campfire right here at Western Contours. Um but it, like I was saying, it kind of brings us back, right? Where we are you're, you're trying to bring everybody to the table so everyone can appreciate everyone's outdoor experience. Right. It, it's right. coming full circle, whether you're, you know, for hunting against, you know, I don't want to say against, I hate saying right. that right. Um, because, it's, because a lot of those people I, uh, that don't get tough, it. Yeah. A lot of those right. people that don't get why we do what we do as hunters a lot yep. of them just refuse to get it. Right. You can share. Exactly. You can share the yep. stories with them. They may not. I think that the experience. Right. And, and I've said it before, who the hell can't get behind, you know, trials and tribulations to a success. Um, and I think that when people start to liken their outdoor experience to ours as hunters, right. To the folks of of Kong Valley. Whether you know, I hear kayakers a lot. Um, a rock climber, right? There's a struggle, his his notch tag is at the top of that face, you know. I mean, right. at least that's what I think about it, right? I'm not a rock climber, yeah. You know, damn right. way I'm climbing up some sheer face.
1: <laughs> so, I'll go, the, I'll go to the climbing
2: gym and struggle for about 40 feet, but that's about it, man. Yep. Um, yep. all right, so let's spin it a little bit, man. Uh, give me some gear picks, man. Give me three things outside of your rifle or your bow that you must have in the field? Uh, Onyx or GPS,
0: knife, and wind checker.
2: Onyx or GPS? Yep. So,
0: And I say that just because there's a, some people, I saw this post on Go Wild the other day. Uh, somebody was asking if they preferred Onyx or any app on their phone versus a handheld. And I was surprised how many people... <laughs> Enjoy handheld or still have one. I mean, I bought one. I absolutely carried in my pack as a backup, but that was before I ever even downloaded Onyx or had Onyx.
2: Yes. Yeah, now I won't
0: go anywhere else. Yeah. I'm without f- it,
2: I'm full full on Onyx, man. Uh, yep. I will. I will take quadrangles and fold it up and put it in the pack just in case. But if you do the offline yep. with Onyx, I don't. Oh, I don't know why you would need a handheld anymore? No,
0: absolutely. And, <laughs> Like I said, I I carried mine just because last year when I was buying all this gear, I didn't. I mean, I knew what Onyx was, but I was like, ah, I've been a handheld guy and I needed a new one, so <laughs> bought this, bought a Garmin, and I think
2: I have less than five hours on it. Yeah. I Put my Onyx to but, use, man. Yeah, that's, that's invaluable. So, what kind of it knife? Is. What kind of knife you carrying? Are you carrying like a surgical blade, replaceable blade deal, or?
0: Yeah, I kind I got a an old buck knife that i carry and then i had a uh a pavlon um definitely going to get an se here pretty soon um so yeah that's i have a couple couple different ones that i carry with me i haven't really had to use them for nothing that's <laughs> why <laughs> 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 i was uh when we were talking about gear i was i asked my wife i was like so what's what's a useless piece of gear that I carry uh use, you know, not just gear, use useless uh-huh. piece of gear. And she goes, "Lately, your bow, jab. Oh, <laughs> oh,
2: oh yeah. man, so, I was gonna uh, ask too. All right, so uh, I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the useless piece in the pack, man?
0: Uh, definitely my bow. <laughs> oh come yeah, on, don't yeah, let the wife
2: two, beat no, you up to that answer. Two years
0: ago, <laughs> uh, I still, I still don't know. Anything useless that I carry in my pack, I try to put anything I would carry uh,
2: it's, it's in my pack. So we all got geez. that one thing, man. I,
0: like I said, I'm pretty new. Wait till hunt, I never really carried. Oh, pack. that's true. Yeah, you So it's like I have a knife in my pocket, maybe some rope because we drag deer <laughs> <laughs> and and elk if we need to, but so it's in a flashlight basically i have everything in my pockets but but now i now it would probably be one of my old compasses well, to be honest just because i have onyx and i kind of know the area enough nice. but
2: and you know what i still thinking that i mean because i carry that quadra angle so i still carry a compass yeah. man, but that's like you know if if that battery dies or you know, yeah for whatever reason oh I yeah i
0: i just carry it too but that's the only thing I, I, I don't know. I really, I really don't have.
2: All right. We'll just, we'll go with gear. your We'll go with your wife's answer, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll let her call, win it, this one. <laughs> call it your bow, man.
0: There's <laughs> a first for everything. I'm just kidding.
2: I'm just kidding. honey. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Oh, <laughs> get you in trouble, man. So how do you, right. how, for me, it's hard, man. So you're, you're hunting, you're hunting your elk every three years or so. That has to be that has to be difficult, man.
0: Oh, so hard. And I was gonna go two years in a row. So I when I got home from Colorado last year. So the plan was or the agreement was I get to go on my Colorado elk hunt this year or 2018, 2019. Me and my wife are gonna take a trip somewhere together. And she loves the outdoors. She loves hiking. Um, so I get back from Colorado and I'm sure showing her these pictures and you know these videos, these screaming bulls back and forth, and she she's like, "Oh, that's really fun." And I was like, "Yeah." And you know, while we were there, there was these cabins along this river that were you know relatively cheap for a week. And there's like hot springs there and all this stuff, and I convinced her that that's going to be our trip. We're going to go to this, stay in one of these cabins in the month of, for a week in September, and I got to bring a bull with and we get to hike the mountain and I'd have my bow and we were just going to hunt together. And so, yeah. And then January 1st, we found out she was pregnant. So looks like she's not going to Colorado. (laughs) Are you going to Colorado? (laughs) No, I'm not going to Colorado. (laughs) You gotta, gotta watch your, gotta
2: watch your time in there, buddy.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, but it's been one of those things we've been trying for, you know, over a couple of years. So (laughs) uh, planning was kind of out the window as far as that but like my buddy he was like yep his daughter was born November 4th or 7th or something which here is like prime rut for whitetail and he goes that's all it took for me he goes we can plan it he goes the next one was in July the next one was in January (laughs) and that's yep, must be nice so but I figured one day that'll be all right
2: Oh, you can go on birthday hunts at some point.
0: Oh, absolutely. At least yeah. that's what you yeah, call that's, them. Well, that's what I'm going to, when, you know, the kid's older, I'm going to take both of them out there. Like, this is my birthday present to you guys. It's for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> at some I don't point, care if you're six years
0: old, yeah. you're coming.
2: <laughs> at some point, they'll figure out that's BS.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: That's all that's right, like That's what my it My wife was asking. If that's what it takes, man. I mean grandpa Absolutely. grandpa was taking out loans, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> that yeah. Dude had the game yeah. figured out. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. And
0: then he was gone on the weekends paying him off anyway. So <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife asked what we should get Cameron for his birthday in October. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe a new bow or a mm-hmm. rifle or something he can grow into.
2: <laughs> yeah, a ground blind I mean, I'll with just, some warm clothes.
0: Uh yep, I'll just use it for for, uh, for the next five years,
2: <laughs> the thirty inch draw but, on a on a yeah, four year old bow, yep.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, you know, and that was another. Speaking of the ground blind, that was out of all the elk experience or in 2018, the hunting aspect of it. Uh-huh. 2018 was the first time I got to sit in a ground blind with my son, and man, it was amazing. He did awesome. We we just sat behind the house. We had some deer coming in all the time to the food plot. And unsure how it's going to go with a three year old. And man, he, he sat there and we saw a deer and he was quiet. And, oh, it was it was amazing. You know, it was one of those things I've been looking forward to my as long as I can remember ever wanting kids, which I've wanted kids for a long time. So it was it was a pretty special moment for me.
2: That's awesome. So how important is yeah. it to you to pass down your your hunting tradition, man, that your dad, you know, passed down and you got to experience that with your grandpa and your uncles. Oh, man, it's, it's so important to me. I mean, I hate, you know, saying the word traditions
0: just because I know how blessed I am, how I grew up, and I know there's not everyone had that.
2: Well, the tradition but, is different for everyone, right?
0: Right, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the new hunter coming up that day, you know. But, so, I just... Like I said, growing up, I was had that with my dad and I just, we still bond over it. I mean, we we look forward to our weekends all year long. You know, we do the opening rifle season or we stay at the hunt shack for the week during rifle season in November and opening fishing. And I mean, that's the biggest bond that we've have together is the outdoors and hunting and fishing and spending time together. And It's just something I want to pass on to my kid to have that that bond with him, I mean and it teaches every i mean teaches ethics, honesty, patience, you know it teaches these kids and you know there's life lessons out there, and so yeah, it's just something I'll strive to do I mean getting these kids outdoors is and family just bonding over everything is something that can't be taught and you can't find it anywhere else. Yeah. It's the, the
2: values that come out of that experience outdoors, man. So how does that, uh, so where are you guys going on that, uh, to that hunting shack or that camp? Where do you guys, is that right there by home or?
0: Uh, Nope. So my dad grew up about hour, 45 minutes south of here, uh, Park Falls, Wisconsin. Well, it's buttering up Wisconsin, tiny little town and it's all him and his buddies and a couple of their kids. Um, I'm the up until last year, I was the youngest kid at camp between probably seventeen of us. And uh it'd been that way for like years. And I could we go down there the Friday before, you know, we have some beers and we play some cards. Um, if people wanna go hunting in the morning, they go hunting. If not, we just sit around, have some coffee. You know, we're not out there just to go blasting around and killing all these animals it's it's about just being together and having a guy's weekend
2: come on man you're killing a stereotype there
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) not running
2: around around in the 67 Ford (laughs) with beers on the the passenger seat (laughs) man blasting everything you see
0: oh no not not in the least it's all about just just bonding together I mean these. Like I said, these these are all my dad's buddies, and I, I call them all my uncles, just because that's they've been family to me as long as I can remember. And they, I've heard all these stories that they have a million times, and each time it's either funnier or <laughs> way more exaggerated, which makes it you know it's just I my mouth hurts and my jaw hurts from laughing so damn hard when I get back from there it's I literally go into like a little depression when I get that back just man that's it doesn't happen enough you know you know especially with my dad that's one of those things where it's you can't take any of that for granted
2: so it's but
0: yeah those stories are just man
2: how many stories have how many stories have you heard that you've actually been a part of that were total fabrications when they tell them two years later Oh man. <laughs> Too many. It's
0: one of those things where it's, well, I, sometimes it works out and I don't correct them because it makes, you know, the story, my end of it sound a little better. <laughs> but, but yeah, most of them, it's like, look, I was like, what? When did that happen? What, did <laughs> what? That wasn't me here. No, that. <laughs> that didn't, didn't go down that like way, that.
2: but that makes it so much no. more fun, right? I mean, no. you sit oh, there absolutely. hear the BS, and you know, get to share it over and over and laugh. You know, the yep. whispers about you know Jim's story being bullshit from two years ago,
0: <laughs> right? Yep. And so that's yeah, and that's my. I remember growing up or after when I was old enough to go to the hunt shack, and my mom was just a nervous wreck and She was like, "You can't." I, I got to go when I was twelve. <laughs> she's like, "Jim, you can't take him." He's like, "He's twelve. He's he has he's old enough to have a hunting license. He's coming with me." <laughs> you know, she was just like, "Oh man, just nervous." And now she's asking me like, "So, when can Cameron go to the shack? <laughs> when are you taking him?" I'm like, uh. <laughs> "In Wisconsin, now you can buy a light You can any kid can own a license. So I could take him legally hunting tomorrow, or you know, during season, but." when he is three and so it's like well i still think he's gonna have to wait till he's a bit older till he can have have that that uh, yeah and just that hunting shack you know atmosphere but but that'll be you know that's because those guys are a lot of them you know they all hunt still but they're not getting any younger so it's one of those things where i'm gonna even after you know say 15 years from now i think that's still where i'm gonna go from during rifle season just that's something i've done for last 15 well, or last 20 years and i want to continue just doing it with him in that same place with
2: those same guys with those that's guys awesome. as kids so yep yeah, absolutely that i mean and, and you know i'm not i didn't grow up hunting so that kind of stuff man I, I love hearing man that you know that passing down of that tradition and um and those type of stories man. Are, freaking awesome yep. to me
0: <laughs> and it's tough too with all these stories is you know there's times it's like man i wish i could have recorded that but you take out a cell phone and try to take a picture or a video with the you know uh, put that oh, damn technology was, yeah. thing away <laughs> yeah you're
2: catching hell there <laughs>
0: yeah it's just like so i just mostly i mean there's times and moments i'd love to capture but you know it's all, all of it's just ingrained in my memory yeah. anyway, you know
2: what what happens at the shack <laughs> stays at the shack
0: yeah, pretty much, yeah, that's exactly true
2: that's, awesome. that's probably but why mom was worried good. about you going out there and at that's exactly years old. Mom was, yeah,
0: exactly why she was worried But it was all good, nothing too crazy.
2: What do you have coming up for twenty nineteen, man, as far as your for as far as your hunts? We know you're not uh breaking away with a baby due in September. <laughs> all right uh not much on that by the way
0: oh thank you yeah we're uh pretty pumped up um not much we uh i just got back from ice fishing trip last weekend in northern minnesota that was a good time i didn't catch i mean caught some walleye and some sauger and a nice eel pote but that was pretty pretty much it and then coming up me and my dad both through spring turkey tag that's during the same season so middle of may me and him will be hitting the hitting the woods together which i am pumped up about uh like i said i'm new to this whole turkey thing i people go nuts over turkey hunting i mean
2: (laughs) i was gonna ask you because you know i've i've heard that people will compare turkey to elk and i've hunted both men and in my head there's no comparison so you'll have to to let me uh (laughs) let me know what you think about that when they're gobbling at you
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I tagged out last year. It was like my first year really calling. You know, I tried, I set up some decoys. I saw them in the field a little bit here and there. And I was like, well, I'm going to grab my bow and go shoot one with my bow. And I went out one day and that he, same thing. I drew or I started calling. Tom came in and he, he saw me draw. So he ran off. I was like, man, that was, Everyone says how tough this turkey hunting is, and that was pretty easy. But, I mean, as far as getting them in range, I was like, well, maybe. So I was like, well, next day I'm just going to go and sit here and set up again and try again. And I yep, I set up a Jake and a Hen decoy, and I I busted them all out of the field when I walked out of there. And so I I yelped, or I don't know what turkey calling. Like I said, I just got into it, and I made a turkey sound. Like ten minutes later, I was just hearing this gobble behind me. I'm like, oh my god, right behind me, sweet! And it came out, strut, you know, full strut, and I shot it.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> so it was like one of those where I those guys that really get into turkey hunting really hate that story because I, I I do exaggerate it a little bit with my buddies. Like, oh, you say how hard turkey on is, and it's really not. I just went out and shot one with my turkey <laughs> or with my bow. With your bow. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but, that that's but, a hell of an undertaking, man. I they got really really good eyesight
0: they really do and like and these turkeys are all like they're all in the field so you pattern pattern them like deer basically it's not like a running gun style which is where it gets really hard but I'm really really looking forward to trying to get my dad one to, to hoping to double up I'm going to take my bow and he'll have a shotgun and just to try to give back I mean growing up he did all the scouting and basically told me to sit where you
2: know when I was younger so trying to Return the favor for a turkey for him this year. So that's awesome, man! Isn't that, and that's a big deal too, right? I, again, I haven't, I, I didn't grow up hunting, but to be able to do that and come full circle, that's got to yep. be, that's got to be, just oh yeah, an amazing man.
0: It it really is, yeah. It's a, it's a good feeling. It's fun. It's a lot of fun just and you know, I, I totally understand because there was times when I was in middle school or high school I, i'd have all these sports going on and uh he'd be like no i'll go i'll go set up your stand it's like no no no, dad i got practice but maybe after You know, like, i'll go do it and i you know there was times i kind of felt bad about it but now you know that was it's i totally get it it's like if if my dad's busy you he, bet your ass or i'm gonna go out there and set a stand and or anybody you know i just enjoy doing it that much just like Man, when Cameron's older too, it's I'm pumped, man. Just to get him, get it set up, and try to, like you said, bring it full circle. Yeah, it's,
2: that's that's, and again, it goes back to keeping that tradition alive, yep. right? I mean, that's right. That's huge. I think a lot of us guys that didn't or don't have that um, and didn't grow up that way, man. Uh, that's yeah, that's definitely something we're envious of and miss. Right. In that, yeah. in that part of it, man, that is just yeah. a big deal. And there's, there's that, <laughs>
0: there's that saying that if you teach your kid to hunt, you'll never have to hunt for your kids. And I believe it, you know, there's, I, if I wasn't in, when I was growing up, I was in sports or in the woods for the, for the most part, you know, my kind of keeps you on a level, level playing field with, you know, on the good side of things. And absolutely. So, but yeah, other than that, spring turkey, um, middle of September, kids do, and that's usually when, that's when archery season kind of kicks off.
2: That's about it. So we're all all going to be sending you pictures and messages rubbing it in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Impeccable timing, Jimmy. That's what we're (laughs) going to call you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. I, uh, I've been kind of trying to figure out a way to get out to Oregon. Or beginning of August to maybe do a bear hunt with with Jonathan because flights are pretty relatively cheap from Minneapolis here. It's a couple hundred bucks and the tag is what like sixteen. I think it's
2: twenty four so, so, bucks for a, yeah. for a non res predator tag up there. It's crazy.
0: So if I could if I could swing it, you know, and you know, pregnancy and everything pending, I'd love to get out there do some fall bear hunting. But that's unlikely. But other than that, a couple of buddies drew bear tags for us around here. So I might try to help them, you know, maybe try to film a hunter or something like that. Yeah, that's about it.
2: Just out there being a part of it, man. That's that's really Exactly. Matters, man. Yeah.
0: And I, I want to, it's nice. This year is, uh, now that Cameron's a little older, like the last couple of years it's been hard for me to get out scouting. Because I, you know, I work nights and I watch him during the day. So it's it's hard to haul a kid around in the woods, especially when they're that young. So it's now that he's a little older, might be easier to do some. I want to do some more scouting, try to just get out there a little more with them. Yeah,
2: they'll appreciate that time, man. Oh, yeah, he loves it. He absolutely loves it. Get him making them, them uh, clothes hanger bows, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I bought, I actually, you know, spent some, got my deep pockets and spent like $20 on a plastic bowl for him. So
2: <laughs> that's what it's about but, though, yeah. man, you know, just oh, st- starting them as early as you can and showing them the value in it and that time together. Yep, it's-
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. He, uh, we were shooting his little Nerf gun today. He likes to shoot at, I have a deer, you know, a year old mount on the fireplace and he has one of those little pop up ground blinds little thing and he was in there shooting it and uh, yeah he's he's an amazing kid that's for sure
2: So, so conservation quick man in the future of hunting your choice give me your minute minute and a half spiel on conservation and or the future of hunting
0: so if you people haven't looked up into the Pittman act i mean that is definitely something that you have to look into it's Anything you buy hunting, archery related, 11% tax goes towards state conservation. Um, other than that, boots on the ground. Everyone says buying tags, all the stuff. And that's nice and helps, but call your ward, call your biologist, call your game warden, ask what you can do to help. Call your forestry service and help plant trees. You know, a couple of my dad's buddies there worked in the forest service and they love when people volunteers to help plant trees and I mean it any little thing help thing helps. So yeah, get uh start planning for the youth, you know, start help having them get involved, um, support organizations like future of hunting. I'm partnered with Karen and I can't say enough great things about her future of hunting. She has some awesome shirts and hats, and part of each sale goes right towards getting kids outdoors. And, uh, like, so yeah, yeah, that's about that.
2: Good deal, man. So we're looking at about an hour and 40 right now. Um, anything that we, we missed that you want to get out there, talk about, go over, shout outs, anything, man, let us have it.
0: Uh, let's, uh, not really just, uh, like I said, if you're, if you want to get involved, send me a message or if you know someone who might be a good fit send me a message if you have any questions at all about anything you know we're we're pretty transparent so send me a message on instagram and yeah that's about it
2: good, deal, good luck man.
0: to everyone this season
2: so i'll include your uh your instagram in the show notes kong valley's website in the show notes man and we'll drop episode four this wednesday man i appreciate your all time right. jimmy we'll be all talking right, thanks, to you guy. soon but take care yep you can catch up with Jimmy on Instagram at J underscore Kong Valley. J G-L-A-E-S-E-R underscore Kong Valley. Or on the Go Wild app at Jimmy Glacer. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with
0: Disabled Outdoorsmen, the founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up, and our brand
2: is going to represent them, and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsmen.com, or you can find us on Instagram at disabledoutdoorsmenusa.
0: We want you to be a part of the cause with us, and let's make a difference one day at a time.